This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now the host of E-Retailer Conversations with Principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here's your host, Tom Shea, and co-host, Bill Kendi. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to tonight's show. I'm glad everybody could uh, take time from work to dial in, join and be with us, because um, when we first got this email to uh, be asked to talk about today's topic, I thought, ooh, this is kind of important stuff. I have a um, a neighbor who is a um, native of France, and uh, he's always talking about the differences because he also owns businesses, and he keeps hammering about this topic. When is it going to happen? When is this finally going to happen? So, tonight's the night we're going to talk about here's what's going to happen and, and when it's going to happen. Uh, that being said, let's take and uh, say hello and welcome my my co-host, Bill Kennedy. Bill, you out there, my friend? Mr. Tom, I am here in the sometimes sunny, sometimes rainy, sometimes snowy, great state of Michigan. So, and, and what is it that it is today? Well, it was supposed to be rainy. Then it actually became snowy. Then it turned to rain, and I think right now it's going to fog. But you know what? It could be worse. I could be used to living in sunny Florida where when it gets down to 55 degrees, you guys are cold. Or... I could be living in North Carolina where you get 10 inches of snow and nobody has any snowplows. So, Mr. Mr. Shea, I am a tremendously blessed man. How about yourself, sir? No, let me just tell you how even worse it is. I was uh, listening to the radio the other morning, and I wish I had recorded it, only to hear it again. And the announcer said, well, it's going to be cold out there today because it's only going to get up to 62. <laughs> okay. No, I don't feel. And I go, oh my gosh! Some of us oh, here have gotten to be true, true wimps in what we're doing. <laughs> well, anybody. So that, that being said, yes, sir. That all being said, so um, you and I have been talking about, reading about, uh, looking at tonight's topic. Uh, yeah. We were just reading some articles today about it, and as we had mentioned, the. Big stink was what happened with with Target, and uh, the article that you and I were reading today was by someone who said that they had been warned. And uh, we got a an email back, um, gosh, I don't know, month and a half ago, and it was from one of our previous guests, and he said, "Hey, this is coming up, and it's important, and people need to." Uh, to know about this, and people need to uh, be taking care of this. So, uh, that being said, let's uh, let's jump into it and um, introduce to tonight's guest. Um, our guest for tonight has been with us before. I met him multiple years ago. His name is Ron Friedman, and Ron owns a company called Demomics, D-A-M-O-M-I-C-S. And uh, I wouldn't want to categorize Ron as a you don't computer software you salesman. I, that Shame to me would be an you. insult to Ron. And to Honey, introduce Ron, I would say Ron is a problem solver. 
geared specifically to a small business owner. And yes, sometimes it involves software, sometimes it involves creativity. But this is um, this is Ron's niche, and we're appreciative that Ron would make a point to reach out to us and say, here's an issue that you need to have on the show, and it needs to be discussed. So we called him up and asked him if he could make time to come and join us tonight. And uh, with that being said, um, Ron, you out there tonight, my friend? Yes, sir. Good evening, Tom. Hello, friend. How are you doing? Okay, very well. Well... I appreciate that you would be the kind person to uh, be so proactive, which is what I expect you to be in the business that I know you to be in, to, to say, here's, here's an important item, and it is um, something people need to listen to. Now, on the other side, so people ask, what, what does he solve? Uh, Ron owns a company. He's located in, in New York State, and um, his his main product is his service is the uh, radiant counterpoint uh, software system for for your business but i think ron a whole lot more than that is that he has this thing this love for the small business that whatever it takes to make the small business grow this is what he's going to, to help people do am i scratching your back right that that's kind of what you do my friend yep that's I love when small businesses grow. It's like uh, having kids and watching them be proud. And my customers, when they grow and do the right thing, they get the same exact feeling. And so your your comment was, and it was a person who had, uh, as I mentioned, this neighbor of mine. And he was constantly saying, you know, why doesn't this system come here? Why do we go through the things that we go through here? Because he is also a small business owner, owns multiple locations. And he says, you know, why don't we do this here? Something, a piece of technology that has already been done in Europe. So let me ask you two questions. One, what is this thing that he's talking about from Europe? And just out of curiosity, how long have they been doing it there? Okay, it's called in generic term it's the chip technology a chip in the card versus the magnetic stripe with the data on the back of the card it is formally called emv those letters standing for europay mastercard visa standard those are ones that um, came up with it and that is what's been in europe now for over 10 years and just about every other you know, really civilized country is using it. Canada has been using it, I believe, for about five years. We are coming into play with this, and everyone's supposed to be on board with it by October 2015, though we'll you know, never have 100% implemented by then. But that is the goal and threshold for compliance that has been issued finally for this country. All right, now, how is this different than the, um, where I see it on an American Express card, the RFID? They're very similar on there. The RFID is usually similar technology, though we don't have a standard yet for RFID, and that's why I don't tell small businesses to embrace it yet, because that standard is still being worked out. But the RFID, standing for Radio Frequency Identification, is basically a chip in a card that also has a wireless, in essence, or Bluetooth or in-the-air component to it. 
So really, EMV is the core. RFID is really above that, but we don't have a standard yet via credit cards for that yet. Why is that necessary? So well, we'll, we'll, we'll address that later. Go ahead. Go ahead, guys. So when this chip comes out, when we start seeing the chip all, all across the country, is, is this going to change the game in the sense that every small business needs to uh, go out and, and reshop their, uh, their bank card service provider? Uh, the answer is you need to change equipment to use it. And let me just really answer a question you almost raised. The chip technology is really, as an average consumer, you will not notice when you get this issued in your next card replacement. And it should be in the next card replacement, though the number of cards that have had to been reissued out of normal planning because of such things like Targus and even Marcus and Michaels, when they start having to reissue millions of cards out of plan, they're still issuing a lot of cards without the chip technology in it. But when it's in it, and I have only one out of my many cards in my wallet that have it, you will either see a symbol that is like a little rectangle on the face of the card, usually like goldish in color with some squiggly lines on it. Uh, there are other symbols that are out there, and like you mentioned before, the RFID one looks like a radio tower broadcast. Those are the symbols that give it away. There is no really uh, bump or circuitry or anything that the average consumer would notice because it is embedded in the card and the mag stripe is still on all the new cards being issued. Oh. Now, your second question is, well, what do you need to read it? What does a retailer need to do? The technology of reading it, the card is no longer swiped along the long edge. It is inserted into a reader along the short edge that has the symbol on it. And like, that, an ATM, like an ATM machine would do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but an ATM machine is still reading the mag stripe on it. Um, but the, uh, in these readers here, um, and the card doesn't disappear. Like a lot of ATMs, the card disappears in it. The card is only inserted about halfway into the reader or three-quarters, and the consumer immediately extracts it themselves. Okay. Okay. So the stripe on the back, the, the piece of tape will stay there. Correct. For good or bad, so okay. yeah. There's a lot of issues with it, and you know why to do it. Well, yes, it's being issued, and now that so I said that the mag stripe is going to be there, the tendency for a lot of retailers to say, "Oh, I don't need to change then because both technologies will be there simultaneously." The answer from an acceptance standpoint is yes, you can stay with the mag stripe, but to make this go and to be economical and, and to get the effect they want out of it, that people change over, the credit card companies have all agreed to a new standard of liability. Today, if you swipe a card and get an authorization and it's deemed uh, stolen or invalid after the fact, the merchant does not get charged for that transaction. Once 2015 October hits and the new standard is in place, if you accept the card by the chip technology, the same standard of liability 
is maintained. If you choose to swipe the card for whatever reason, after, once that technology has been implemented and that card is deemed fraudulent after the fact, the merchant now will pick up the burden of that fraudulent transaction. There will be a chargeback for the full amount of transaction. That is in now the new PCI contracts. But the added one is that I don't have any proof of this other than being in the industry a long time is I'm willing to bet that the exchange rate or the merchant rates that they pay for the acceptance of the card will also be tiered by these two types of acceptances. So you'll get a lower rate. Go ahead. I'd like to go back to the beginning and ask you, why is this necessary? Uh, I mean, perfect you know, what question. we've talked about is yeah. that's what they're doing, but I wanted, I'm just curious from a merchant's perspective, why are we doing this? Well, How is this going to make the things The fraud safer? rate on credit cards has gotten to be uh, way more than what you even hear in the news. It is affecting small businesses. My customers are getting viruses that contain keyboard loggers that are grabbing credit card numbers before the software encrypts it and sends it out. The design that we came up with with credit card um, swipes 20, 30 years ago was flawed. And all that credit card information that's on the Magstripe comes in through the computers we call a keyboard buffer as if it was keyed in or swiped in, and then the software reads it, encrypts it, and sends it out. And there is common everyday software called keyboard logging. A common name you can buy it under is NetNanny that you could buy it to monitor keystrokes and uh, mouse movements if you want to you know, watch what employees are doing or spouses or children are doing on the computer. And the criminals have incorporated this public um, technology into viruses to skim off card numbers. And they're able to put it in into small businesses and large businesses. Well, how does a chip differ from a magnetic swipe and you know, uh, controlling that issue? Okay, the data on there is in a highly, um, how can I say, not necessarily encrypted, but of the uh, 256K encryption standard, and it's really what you're going to hear terms called tokenization. It is coming up with a, a number of ID that's being broadcast to the uh, credit card company, and the credit card company is going to send back not the uh, single authorization, but a token that will be used by the merchant to ultimately do their settlement to. So nowhere will there be a credit card number touching the computer systems anymore that retailers are using. It will be sent out immediately by the device. And that ultimately is the desire that we've all wanted as retailers. We've never wanted to hold on to a credit card number. All we want to do is get an authorization and to be funded. We didn't want to be the warehouse of all these numbers. And 
and have the liability of holding on to this stuff if an employee or an outside type of virus or intrusion were to steal information from us. And this new standard really is finally the answer for all merchants that we will no longer have liabilities for holding credit cards anymore. And they did institute in this the ability to uh, have a credit card on file virtually. So they will be issuing what they call a reusable token. So if you need to hold something because you're taking a deposit and then you want to, uh, like today, you know, hold on to the card so then you can use it again later on, you won't hold on to the card. You'll hold on to that specific transaction for or token for that transaction so you can reissue it again, still never having the card within your premise and its number. So what about when we are, uh, <clears throat> let's say a business hears what you have to say tonight and goes, okay, I, I got to make the change. Perhaps February, March is a slow time of year for them. Uh, and they're thinking, I'm going to go ahead and, and change the, my, my equipment. Can you give some ideas to what all is involved? Okay, absolutely. The From a point of hardware, especially if you're running with standalone terminals with a, you know, a CAD register system, um, the, some models of the more recent uh, MagStrike reading terminals, uh, especially through, I hate using commercialism, but I understand through the PNC first data solution. I don't know what others are doing, or not all others are doing, but I know this is the first time I heard it from them. They're offering about a $400 add-on to read the uh, chip technology. Most others that I work with hear about, it's a total replacement of the unit to allow for this. And they're usually smaller units, and if you've traveled, you'll see it that it's a small enough unit that the merchant may have it on their side of the counter and then pass it over to you to use and then take right. it back on their side. So it's a very... Uh, small, almost like uh, a small shoe in size and narrowness of a shoe to do this type of transaction. And so that is what's available, and that would be the most common one uh, for merchants that are not integrating their credit cards through a point-of-sale computer solution. When you're in a computer solution, it takes two to tango. You need a device that does this, and the software now has to be able to know about that tokenization, know about that encryption, so it can understand which processor to call, be it MasterCard or Visa or Amex, et cetera, and feed also to the terminal the dollar amount, et cetera, and keep it all following the encryption standard. So virtually all software companies need to update their software and some of them out there, you know, that are ones that are not out of business or are no longer doing updates, that will deem their software non-compliant now, and you won't be able to integrate to them. So it's a big why in the road when it comes to the software vendors. The ones that most of them are using are about eight, nine hundred dollar terminals or, or you know these uh, hardware devices, though 
most of them and the ones that you see out there today are, have five functions to them. No longer do they have just one function like MagStripe. They now do have MagStripe. They also have the chip technology read slot in it, which is usually below the glass that you see on these ones, which the glass is used as an LED display for the customer ring out, a customer display. You can see what's being ring out, rung out. And they also are used for that glass can be used for pin debit and also used for digital signing the receipt. Okay, so we're coming to uh, the first station break of the evening. Let me tell everyone who, we're, who we have as our guest, what we are talking about. Our, our topic is the new changes that are coming with bank card processing that's going to be, let's see, I guess for lack of a better word, thrust upon us in the coming year. Our guest, who was kind enough to bring us to our attention, is Ron Friedman. And Ron owns a company along with his wife, Gloria, uh, located in Elmira, New York. And his company is Demomics. Uh, they are also a provider of the Radiant Counterpoint software system, but I think more so Ron and Gloria are problem solvers for small businesses. Uh, to get a hold of Ron, it's very simple. It's um, 607-732-5122. And if you want to find their website, it is simply Demomics, which is D A M O M. ICS.com. That's our buddy Ron and Gloria up in, uh, in New York. And with that being said, let's take a uh, quick five-second break. This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. So Ron is telling us about hardware that's got to change. Uh, Ron, I'm, I'm thinking about more and more businesses that are getting very much so into uh, adaptive into the hardware they've got. Um, there is a, a local diner. I mean, I love going to this little local diner. It's, uh, it's called Trips here in St. Petersburg. And, and their staff, while they hand you menus, now in taking your order, has the software system that uh, they're standing there with a, like a little mini iPad and just tap, 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 putting your order in. And when it comes time to uh, pay for it, they can take your credit card right there, and you can uh, uh, do all the necessaries, include the tip, sign off on the ticket, and they'll turn around in two minutes and bring you back the receipt. But they're using a system from what you tell me that's going to is dying off. Um, I think about um, the other software systems that I have seen with little tiny gadgets that basically look like a, a bloated smartphone. Uh, what about um, Square? What about um, Go Payment from Intuit? What uh, what happens? Because we have people who are listening in on tonight's program, and what they're doing is they're not storefront operations. They're out in the field, and, and they need to be able to uh, handle a transaction with their customers right there. What happens to them? There has to be a change in hardware for that. I've not seen it yet. I'm sure it's in development but we need to start reading the chip technology where Square does not do that um, or any of those you know, look-alikes to Square on there. I think there's one like a triangle, too, out there. And because the chip technology is there, I mean, the MagStripe won't go away if the business is such. I mean, the chance of most probably fraudulent transactions in a restaurant, I don't know for a fact, but it would be 
my guess, would be less than general retail because you're there. You're, you're there for a long time. Everyone recognizes your face. You know, if they have a camera system. You, you, you can't hide. There's no mask. There's no turning in different directions. So I would think card present fraud is much less in that type of environment. So maybe the rate tiers that the credit card companies come out with will be less and they've been able to maintain the mag stripe for a longer period of time in that. But realistically, the chip technology is what's here and the RF technology won't be far behind that before they decide on the standard for that technology. Ron, Ron, just out of curiosity, This is a change that is not uh, business or retail uh, initiated. This is something that has been come down from the credit cards company, credit card companies, to just pretty much say, like the government said to us, that you will no longer have analog TVs. You will now have digital. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, they dictate so they said, you know, what the technology bad, is that we use. Too bad. You, you, you have to buy equipment. You have to pay a swipe fee. You have to pay an interest rate. And you now have to retool because this is what we want you to do, period. Even though you may own a company that doesn't have any product. Now, guys, I'm not trying to – I'm just curious because this is interesting. Uh, and it sounds like it has to be done. But it is initiated by the bank card companies. Right. This is their environment. They've designed it. It's their contractual law. You know, it's their PCI, their group that's PCI to PCI, which the Payment Card Industry Association that comes and agrees to all these things. So so independent business people really, or whatever business you have, really, I mean, this is going to happen. You might as well just get on 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 the train and go with it, right? I would say yes. You have to make your stance and decide what your risk is. Every every business has risk every day from someone falling on their sidewalk or within their business, et cetera. Right. How much risk right. do you want in accept, credit card acceptance? Right, but if, if you don't get this new technology, you can still use the magnetic tape. That's correct. You just don't, there's more risk in accepting it at that point. Okay, at least until 2005. Or, mm-hmm. or well, it's correct. not going to – they have not – said a deadline at all of when the stripe is going to disappear you know oh, we okay. Okay. because you know we don't know when a, someone's going to come in from another country that's slower than us with a card and you want to accept it like you know europe's doing for us today you know they, they look at us funny with being one of the last ones on the street and then there's always that global fear that you somehow you won't be able to read the chip in there that someone you know mangled the card such that you can't read the yeah. chip, and of course we want to make the sale, so let's resort back to the stripe. Interesting. So at some point in time, we're going to come to where, as the um, stripe disappears, you would be forced to ch- be changing. Oh, certainly at that point, we, we, we don't have know. a choice. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't know. That could be two, three, five, six, seven yes. years. We don't know. Yes. That is nowhere in the horizon that anyone has talked about at all that's been a public record on there. And I just want to let people know, you know how much fraud is going on on the MagStripe today um, because it's so easy. It's cassette recorder technology that's there. And as how prevalent it is, if you go to the U.S. Postal Service and you pay with a credit card today, you go to a lot of big businesses and you go to a credit card today and you swipe it, 
they ask you for the last four digits of your card number. And most people mm, scratch their head and they give it. You know, why are they doing this? Well, here's the answer. They're instantly comparing without even you know, calling or interneting out for an approval. They're comparing the front of the card, the one you're reading to them or they're reading themselves, with what got swiped into the computer, into the terminal on the back. So many lay people can buy credit card numbers on the web and create their own mag stripes on the back that the fraud is so prevalent that a simple four-digit check has been instituted by many retailers to capture fraud immediately right at point of sale without even calling in the card, as we call it. Okay, so now let's ask this question. What about the... um uh, when you do an online transaction and you are putting in the three-digit code and onto the screen from the back of a Visa, MasterCard, or Discover, or you're putting the four-digit code from, in, on, from the front of your American Express card uh, with the new technology, does that go away? The new technology doesn't affect really the web sales today. You know, once they can bring these readers down to such a price that you know, we can all have it in our homes or on every computer, so it's a commodity thing. Yes, it would take it away, but again, that's not in any near horizon. So the answer is that those are not card-present transactions, so that won't go away. But so the fraud type of that, because all that information is going on to some computer system, and then from there they have to clear it out, that stop is certainly subject to breaches, and those merchants uh, are not changing. They need to keep up their firewalls and their security as best they can because that's, in essence, old school, but we don't have any solution in the horizon that we can justify to implement so everyone has something in their possession that can electronically transmit that versus us typing it in. So what if we have taken in, and in our time tonight have given someone a point for concern? Uh, is there a possibility that when someone who's listening in tonight decides to um, go looking, calling their bank card provider, is there a possibility they're going to find out that the equipment they have got already has it? Yes. Yes. You know, if it's a recent one, they may have EMV already enabled or uh, partially enabled in it, and they could start accepting it as soon as the bank system they're using is set up for it because the hardware we really know has been out there for years. It's been out there in Europe for 10 years. So the hardware is already there. It's the systems in place that have to catch up in everyone, uh, every process, every bank, every uh, ISO, every clearinghouse has to get in line with it. So when someone does use it, it, goes, it flows through, like we said, totally encrypted, totally tokenized. So it happens and the liability is now totally off the merchant. So there's, there's really a, a music of uh, bank card processing that has to be changed on a retail independent business level. 
right? Yes, and that's why it's been so slow here because we have, how can I say, hundreds if not thousands of players, big and small, involved in the credit card handling in this country and getting them all to agree and getting them all to come on board. Not that they all maybe did, but enough of them. So Mascar and Visa said, now, you know, um, it's taken a long time. Yeah. That and free Tom, economy thing, for good or bad. <laughs> Tom, speaking of music. Yes, sir. So it's time to come to the bottom of the hour and um, take our half, our half hour, our bomb the hour station break. Let's ex- tell everybody our uh, our guest tonight is Ron Friedman uh, from Demomics. And uh, well, we have Ron. We don't have the uh, the other half of the family, Gloria. Uh, together, they own a business in Elmira, New York. It's called Demomics. D a m o m i c s. Demomics dot com. They are also uh, the pr- providers of the Radiant Counterpoint uh, hardware software system. Website demomics.com, phone number 607-732-5122. And uh, so when we spoke to Ron, and as we do all of our guests, we asked him, so what kind of music do you like? And, and Ron, as a true business person, I, I like music about money. Um, so the first one for, that I had found goes back to, I think, the 1940s, it, and we didn't play the whole thing through. It was Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis who were singing the uh, the money song, uh, and this one's a little more contemporary, but it's still all about money. forever and ever um <laughs> you know when i when i was a kid and i was learning to count money it was just son go up to the cash register and stand there and watch me count money to customers uh we, we didn't have a, a a rap song to go with it we just stood there and watched mom and dad do do their do their thing right ron well that's how it is with a multi-family multi-generation family business that's the way it was when i started off i mean uh, my dad uh, did do that, yes. Okay, so um, all, you're saying that all the equipment has a possibility. If someone bought it in the last short period of time, they all have a possibility that they have got material that is currently working. Uh, we do think we're pretty safe in expecting that those who are using the uh, 
uh, Square and the Go Payment uh, and those type of softwares, uh, because of the way you've described it, in, in that the card has to slide <clears throat> somewhat into the device, much like Bill had said, like the ATM machine, except as you explained a bit further, it slides about halfway into it, and that's and it makes the contact so that the uh, the little device that's on there knows um, who who's there and what what's going on. Correct. That, and so at that point, you stand the possibility to um, you might have something that's already working, or then again, you're going to have to do it now. If you do not do the update, the situation is not like Big Brother's coming down on you. However, as long as there's the little tape on the back, I'm curious this one, why do we call it cassette tape? Why Are we not old enough that we say it looks like reel-to-reel tape? Uh, I would have used that, but I'm not sure of the age of your audience totally. But yes, <laughs> reel-to-reel tape, correct. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm old enough to remember a, um, a reel-to-reel, and I know Kendi is old enough to remember a reel-to-reel, uh, but for those who are listening to... Well, I wasn't okay. going to say anything. I just was just being diligently quiet. <laughs> I do not want to uh, let on my age, so go ahead. But I well, that or we could say the eight-track tape. <laughs> yeah, we don't even want to talk about like movie films. Let's not go there either. Okay, um, so that's type yeah. stuff. But the yeah. idea is that as long as a customer still has that that type of technology, they they are functional. Correct. Right. They just have a liability that they need to understand that is thrust upon their shoulders should they decide to go with that venue, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay, uh, so that's... I'm just going to make sure I'm, I'm trying to cover all the parameters of what somebody could, could wind up coming to and what they might experience. I would also say that if you are, uh, as you're listening in tonight, uh, we are monitoring Facebook. And uh, we are monitoring the email, the um, editor at ProfitsPlus.org, if you've got a specific question that you want to uh, throw in to ask Ron at this point. Um, I guess, Ron, past that, it's like, what questions are we not asking you that uh, a good business person needs to be asking about? Well, I have a couple of questions, actually, Tom, before Ron jumps in here. Ron, out of, out of, a, out of a normal, uh, I mean, I know that's kind of like asking a person how long their legs should be in. Obviously, the answer is long enough to reach the ground and do the job. But out of normal transactions, uh, is there any industry average as to how many are used by bank cards? Is it 10%, 20%? I mean, say brick-and-mortar business, be it retail or be it... Service. Oh, versus like a cash or check transaction. Well, it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, how many, you know, if you do... Yeah, how many do electronics? It's running now about 50%. Uh, there are some variations depending on the vertical market that you're in, but we are at definitely 50% our electronic transactions versus are, cash. Now, are these for debit cards and credit cards? Right, some of them, right. On there. And it's about a 50-50 split within that, what no. is uh, debit cre- versus credit transactions. Uh, debit yeah. was constantly increasing. It has leveled off is the reports that I'm reading. So the, so the risk of credit card, risk of fraud run on debit cards is as great as yes. the risk of frauds on credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The numbers on the 
what are being transmitted in the mag stripe are virtually the same. There's a slight difference in information after the number between yeah. a debit uh, card and a credit card. And they use, uh, you talk about old technology, but the, we had different tracks on those magnetic medias of cassette recorders and things like that. On the back of the credit card is up to three tracks of information, and debit and credit generally use different tracks. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I know that we, you know, really your bottom line is you're, you're a much more uh, savvy and intelligent man when it comes to the uh, technology reasons for all of this. If I'm just Bill that owns Bill's bait and tackle, and I know that I do 50% of my transactions on a bank card, uh, and I know I have leased or purchased a reader, and I pay a swipe fee, and I have an interest charge, and blah, 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 because that's a huge deal for retailers. I used to sell that stuff. I know it. So... Bills, bait and tackle. What do I have to? What do I think to myself? Okay, what do I do now? Yeah, you know, maybe we ought to approach it after after the break, Tom. But you know, I mean, what what do what do I do? I don't know the technology. I don't know nothing about it. All I know is I swipe it, I get a bill, I pay it. You know, blah blah blah. Can you help us? I don't know, in this run. Well, you need to look at the volume that you have on it. You need to talk to your credit card provider and find out what the costs are. And, right. you know, if it's a standalone terminal, your justification is generally a little easier because it's just some hardware, which maybe some companies will even um, subsidize or give you if you have a nice relationship with them. You know, they want your volume. They, they supposedly will look out for you and, and do something for you. But if it's tying into the software, there can be some heavy costs. And I know for some of my customers, it's almost like buying their whole point-of-sale system again because everything needs to be changed because they're running old computers and old software and old Mac Stripe readers. And you change one, you've got to change them all. And so you get into a massive expense and hopefully a massive justification to, you know, implement that expense, not just being credit card, but maybe new features, maybe emailing, maybe gift card, loyalty programs, whatever they haven't had and now they can, they can go with. But really looking at it from a liability standpoint and the side, you should point at really another one, is if a business gets breached, okay, that their card numbers get stolen, it can cost you your whole business. Well, Minimally, well, 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 only you're talking. You're referring to the target thing, right? Yeah, but but most, you know, I would think that most small businesses do not have corporate credit cards. They use a Mastercard, or Visa, or American Express. It has nothing to do with the type of card. It was stolen credit card numbers that were non-encrypted. Yeah. Okay. It's using Target was using the old. MagStripe reader technology. They have not gone to chip. They have not gone into encrypted readers. They were in the process of implementing it, but they were on a two-year time frame to do it. They've yeah. announced now they're trying to expedite that for six months to try and get the all the stores upgraded within six months. That's a heck of a bottom line hit for them 
because take let's say eight hundred dollars a pop times what twenty register store times two thousand stores, woo! And that's only the hardware cost, not even the implementation cost. It's a big expense for them. It's a big expense for local businesses, but they got the big expense of wow, how much did that hurt me in business because of reputation? How much fines am I going to get? How much chargebacks? And that's the detail I'm going to get into because it affects small businesses the same way, just a decimal point difference or two. I'm going to drive down to that goddamn fucking store. Who, um, uh, Ron, when you mentioned who, what, I should say, what was the date that you said 2015? When in 2015? Okay. Mm -hmm. October is going to be the kickoff date, and I would expect that every business is going to get notification from their banks, or if they haven't already. I'm sorry, say that again. I'm sorry. Each of the businesses that are listening tonight should be expecting at some point in time they're going to get notification from their bank to say, here's what's coming, here's, and here's what your options are. I hope so. Um I think they should have done it already. I'm disappointed in the industry for, and that's why I called you, because the industry's been so silent on it. Like, they want people to be lag on it so they can charge more for people using swipes and can uh, have more fines and fees. And to me, that's wrong. Why isn't the industry, every industry, talking about this? Why isn't it all over the place? Why don't they... I think that, you know, you're a breath of fresh air, a voice crying out of the wilderness, because this is actually a big deal that could lead to a crisis. Right, Tom? Well, I just think it was like, what? A a bank's wanting to make money off of us? Shock, shock. Sarcasm, (laughs) sarcasm. Right. Well, a, a, a crisis situation, and how do you deal with a crisis situation, Tom? Oh, it, it's always on a wing and a prayer. At the last moment, you you swing for the yeah. fences. Uh, yeah, it's just it's not pretty. And then when people all of a sudden start going after get, trying to get the equipment and find out that there's umpteen months delay in getting any of the, any of the equipment, um, you know, you I to part of what and you and part I of Ron's message tonight is you've got to decide if you if you're simply going to take a shot uh, of waiting. I mean, you you weigh the concern for your business. Uh, if you think it's a possibility, you know, I I think about one for myself in, in all the years of our family being in business, and I watch people checking twenty dollar bills. And I see all the equipment that people have bought for for checking uh, a, a twenty dollar bill, everything from a simple pin to holding money up. And I remember being in business recently, and there was a police officer in there, and he's trying to look at it like somehow he thinks he's an authority on what they are and all. And I thought, yeah. you know, was I just that lucky that in all the years? We never had an issue with a, a with a bad 20. Never, not the first issue. And I would look and say, I don't know that I'd want to buy that. Of course, there's also this concern is that, well, if I got taken for a 20, yeah, when I put it in my deposit at the bank, what makes me think the bank's going to catch it? It's just it's passed on someplace else. Yeah, you know, you know, you and I both know a person who is an expert on crisis management. And that's Ann Baldwin. Yes, 
Uh, and Ann is our uh, our guest for next month. Uh, I, I did get really? to speak to Ann today, but we we don't uh, we we were not able to get it into uh, uh, the recording, uh, getting her online to to talk for a few minutes. Uh, but we have met Ann Baldwin from a number of years uh, because Ann works with businesses uh, in, in situations of when you need to put your name in front of the media, whether it's because you want to or whether it's because you've got a problem. Uh, Ann is very good at showing you how to do it and, and not letting the uh, the media skewer you. I have watched her. You have too. In in sample situations, you know, she, down to the little details. Like you know, she tells people, you know, never look at the camera. This is the direction you're supposed to look, and here's the way that you're supposed to word things. And uh, you know, she does a great job on helping you to not get skewered by the media, but also to take. And uh, so here's the opportunities that you've got out there uh, to get to look for the media to have them want to come to you as the expert. Uh, her background is, well, as much as she can tell you how to deal with the media, um, she was one of them for a long period of time. She was with uh, NBC out of um, uh, Connecticut. Uh, she did a uh, talk radio show. Um, she, she's been around, but uh, would you not agree with me that when you see her uh, at the shows that you and I are at, when she's doing her sessions on how to deal with uh, PR savviness and, and how to work with networks and individual stations, she can really get you set straight on how to do it. Well, Anna, you know, she's been in the trenches. She's been on both sides of the fence, and uh, she does a great job. She's very articulate and very knowledgeable. And honestly, Tom, I've known Ann for probably 10 years now. Uh, she's a great, great friend of mine, and uh, she's just been there, done that, and she's uh, not bluffing high in the sky. She tells you, this is what you got to do. This is, you know, what you need to think about. If you want to address when somebody walks up and sticks a microphone in your face, you just don't go, like, oh, I don't know. You know, well, of course you got to know, because they're going to get the story one way or the other. And as a master of teaching small business guys, you know, people, I use that term generically, how to deal with something that most of, most of them aren't comfortable and used to dealing with. So I think it'd be, it's going to be a great show next month. And that tags off be. what we're doing uh-huh. now, you know, right. because I've had to tell people, and she most probably can add some very good insight, if you do suspect there's a breach, most customers are the first ones to call you to say, you know, I don't think I made a purchase there. Um, right, and then the media is going to get an answer. Exactly. And most know, small right. businesses don't have a clue how to answer things to the media right. and the talking points that are needed for your staff because the staff can easily mislead the media just the same. Right. right. And that's why I was asking you, Ron, that, you know, I mean, you know, I mean all of this credit card stuff, they just do it. You know, I, you know, they don't have to go, Tom, you're, you can speak to address this more than I can. But, gee, you know, they're doing inventory. They're making sure people show up on time. They're dealing on their taxes, yada, yada, yada. Last thing they want to do is try to concern themselves. Oh, my gosh, what if I, a customer has a purchase, I swipe it, it doesn't go through. Their credit's great. My machine's not good. You know, I'm liable. Oh, the mackerel, I don't need that added to my shopping bag full of woes. You don't get what I'm saying. So 
that's why you're the expert that can say this is what you, you know. I mean, how do they start proactively planning, Ron, for this scenario? Is it, all this is proactive planning. That's what exactly is. And then the last thing I was going to say is the liability part, because this is all contractual law. If, in fact, the credit card company deems, you know, they may not have all the smoking guns, that the breach was from you, they're allowed to fine you, and they don't have to go through the courts to get money from you. Remember, they have access to your credit account, your, you know, your, your depositing account. So they can immediately say, oh, $5,000 fine, and out it goes directly from you. You To get that back, you have to challenge them and spend more money. They're right before you're wrong. And they can also charge you, and they normally do, to charge. They charge 10 to $75 for every credit card they need to replace. They're not going to eat the cost of the replacement of a card. They're going to charge the merchant for that. And, of course, they're going to charge you for that purchase that the customer doesn't want to pay for. That they feel is fraudulent. When the customer gets a new card, that is on the Visa, MasterCard, um, American Express, or Discover, whatever. They've got to replace that with the appropriate chip-embedded, squiggly line thing, whatever that's called. You told me a million times, but I can't remember. Right? That's the card of the... They're going to replace it, but the cost of that, the credit card companies are looking to charge back to the retailer. Yeah, yeah. Now, is there a difference, Ron, between MasterCard and Visa and American Express? I mean, I know there's, I mean, I know there's a huge difference between the swipe fees, the interest rates, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I understand that part. But from this technology, are they all the same? Or is, like Tom said, the American Express is a little different than Visa and MasterCard? Excellent. Okay, as I said, EMV stands for EuroPay MasterCard Visa. They right. were the first ones on board. Yeah. This, in the past few months, Discover has said... They're joining the group and going to be implementing this. From yeah. my readings, Amex has not committed yet to this. Well, yeah, and Amex is a whole new thing in white machines too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they've got a different protocol and procedure and pricing. And yeah, it's that. a direct dial into them where the other guys all pool their resources, uh, though they will pass through, but Amex can be cleared directly to them where yeah. MasterCard, Visa, share the clearing houses and Discover usually does uh, uh, that sharing also. Yeah. Okay. okay, so let's take our last station break. Uh, tell people one, one last time, because I'll have a couple questions while asking our guest tonight, who is bringing to us this very important issue. And uh, I, I can tell from those who have asked about it, ooh, this, you really hit a, uh, a hot button. Our guest is Ron Friedman. He and his wife, Gloria, own a company. It's called Demomics. They are in Elmira, New York. You can find them, D-A-M-O-M-I-C-S dot com. And they are providers of the uh, Radiant or the NCR, whatever name you last know them at, uh, the Counterpoint point-of-sale system, hardware, software. Uh, phone number for Ron and Gloria is 607 732 5122 and with a quick break we're going to come back and we got a couple questions because we got about three minutes left that we can ask Ron last last round of goodies. This is the Profitable Business Network. So Ron, I made a comment that in the very early part of the call that while you do have the 
the counterpoint hardware software system that you provide. I I see you more as a person who is a um, a solver. A, a, a give an example of those who are listening. Um, I had occasion to work at one point with one of the national organizations. And I kind of expect Ron's a member of it, but I don't want to put him down by naming him tonight. And what I had noticed online was in their LinkedIn group that I was monitoring, one of their members posed a question one day about selling software systems. And in fact, it was the end of the trade show season, in their opinion. And what they wanted to know was, well, what books would you want to suggest that I should read now? Now that I've got some downtime. And I thought, hmm, let's see what these people are interested in. And every book that got recommended dealt with selling some aspect of how do you sell. And when I went to my contact person for this national organization, I said, I find this very odd that all of them are curious to know about how to sell something, but not once did anybody mention a book about understanding your customer, to understand what their challenges were, what they were going through, so that in understanding who they are and what challenges they've got, you could do a better job of finding out that the software hardware that you provide would be the appropriate item for them to have for their business. And this person says, I don't think we got anybody who's doing anything like that. And I said, well, I kind of think that's why you hired me, is that it's not about just simply selling you a, a software system. It's about you solving problems to help my business make more money. And, and my belief of from my working with Ron and talking to him is that's more of, of what it is that Ron does. So, Ron, what I'm going to give you in the last minute is I want to ask you the question uh, to tell me or tell everyone what I already know is that if they would get on your email list, and you can tell them how to do so, is that you do some pretty neat webinars where you are talking about ways to utilize stuff that you know a lot about, past, past the credit card that we've talked about for the last hour. Would you uh, take the last minute or so and point that out to people? Thank you. Certainly. Um, at least monthly, and occasionally uh, I do it live at different conferences. I do uh, two webinars continuously and a third one that's optionally done when people request it. One is called How to Grow Your Business, and it's based on the premise that businesses want to grow by three methods. They want more referrals, they want the customer to frequent them more often, and when the customer is at the store, they want them to spend more, raise the average ticket. And this whole webinar has nothing to do with software. It can be implemented with pen and pencil or with a point-of-sale system. It has to do with the psychology of the gift card and how it matches those three things and is an exceptional tool for referrals. And this has really nothing to do with really selling the gift card, but the mechanism of how it moves through customers' hands and back into the business. The other main uh, webinar that I do is why to have a loyalty or customer frequency or customer uh, program, and how to implement one. It doesn't seem like anyone in the industry talks about, okay, yeah, my software has a loyalty program built in, but what do I do? What is the point worth? What are the legal issues? How do I convey it to customers? What should the reward be? And this webinar <coughs> takes you through every step of that, 
again, generically, though you would, should have a point-of-sale system to implement it. If not, you would bury yourself in paperwork, keeping track of points and redemptions and things like that. And a loyalty program is the best way to get customer email addresses. If you just say, can I have your email address to add it to my mailing list, a lot of people would hedge on giving it to you. But if you say, I have a loyalty program, they're willing to give it, and they know what their benefit's going to be, like a free $10 gift card when they hit 500 points. Yeah. Right. Or, Tom, you know, Ryan, you're talking about, like, an affinity program. Like, you know, it could be, a, it could be something as simple as uh, buy nine cups of coffee and you get a tenth one for free. Right. Or, Frequent shopper program. Know, I mean, it doesn't have to be rocket scientist, sophisticated, really, you know, stuff. It's just cool. Right. Okay. Yes, exactly. The National Retail Federation said this year – the average American adult is a member of 21 loyalty programs. Well, yeah, if you look at your keychain, I mean, how many times did you, you, know, you go to Kroger's and you get, you know, if you have a card, you get a better deal on eggs or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, or Speedway, depending upon what part of it, Piggly Wiggly, whatever. Yeah, okay. And, you know, affinity programs all kind of boil down to uh, the sound of money, doesn't it, Tom? Oh, yes. Ron, you always appreciate this one. It's the sound of money. Hey, as we close, let me tell everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate you taking time from your business to come be with us. Thanks to our guest, Ron Friedman, uh, and for his wife, Gloria, for being kind enough to let us have him for for over an hour here to talk about business. We appreciate, Ron, your concern for people that they... uh, that you brought the message to us tonight. Uh, Ron's number is 607-732-5122. Be sure to sign up and get on Ron's list to uh, hear his his programs every month. Uh, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate you being here. Thank hey, you, buddy. You know, Bill, wouldn't work without you. Here's the sound, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Have a good night. It's been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests again next month for e-retailer conversations right here on PBN, the Profitable Business Network.